Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. All week long, we've been listening to some of your favorite programs from this past year. Today, we're going way back, all the way to the time of Jesus. Noah Hutchings, former ministry leader and host of this program, published an article in the December 1995 edition of the Prophetic Observer entitled, the true birth date of Jesus. As you can imagine, this article got folks talking and made people think. He presented his thoughts about the true birth date of Jesus on this very program. So we're going to open up the radio vault to listen to his thoughts as they were originally aired on this program. Here's Noah Hutchings with what he believes is the true birth date of Jesus. We wish you all a Merry Christmas. I know many are reticent to observe Christmas, and we can understand because many of the events or celebrations associated with Christmas are of a strict secular or paganistic origin, and certainly we abhor these things, this commercialism, the drinking, and all that goes with it because these are from pagan origins. However, on the broadcast, we're going to consider, is there anything about December the 25th that Christians can, in good conscience, set aside or observe as being associated with the coming of Jesus Christ, God's love in sending His only Son in the form of human flesh, to die for the sins of the world. I think you may be surprised at some of the information we're going to bring you. So we're going to address this in just a minute. And by the way, we're going to be teaching from the first chapter of Luke. For those of you who would like to get your Bibles and follow along with me, perhaps you're there at home, we invite you to sit down and study with us for the next 20 minutes or so as we look at Christmas in the light of Scripture. Now then, we're going to begin in the first chapter of Luke, and we're going to read from verse 1. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theopolis. Now, in these opening verses, Luke, the beloved physician, writes to Theopolis, and the meaning of Theopolis in the Greek is a lover of God, so it could be he is writing to anyone who loves God, or it could have been that he was writing to a particular person. We don't know. In any event, Luke says, it seems good to me to do this. And he starts first from the virgin birth or the birth of Jesus. You know, Luke was a physician. So the indication here that being a physician, he should start with the birth of Jesus Christ, 
the virgin birth or the coming of the Messiah from the womb of a virgin. And certainly his being a believer in Jesus Christ, a disciple of the Lord, and a physician, it was natural for him to address this subject. And we continue on. That thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So the setting for Luke's beginning here concerning the birth of John the Baptist and later Jesus Christ was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea. And it's important to note that Zacharias was of the course of Abiah. Now, in the priesthood, we read from the 24th chapter of 1 Chronicles, it was divided into 24 courses because there were many priests. If you took all those priests up and put them in the courtyard around the temple, the courtyard probably wouldn't have held them. So they couldn't stay up there, all of them, the whole year running over each other. So they divided the priesthood into 24 orders, and each order served in the temple one week twice a year. In other words, they were in the temple two weeks out of the entire year, and each period of service was separated by six months. Now, most of the priests lived in the Judean hills. Uh, some lived on the outskirts of Jerusalem. Some lived down in Jericho, because Jericho was a very beautiful city, a nice place. So they would go there in their home, and they would live off the offerings of the temple, and they would also grow their own uh, crops or gardens or whatever, and some may have even had sheep or cattle. We don't know, but in any event, it was not a hard life, and they would go up twice a year to serve in the temple. And we read here that one of these priests' name was Zacharias, his wife's name was Elizabeth, and both of them were from the tribe or lineage of Aaron. And we continue in verse 6. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren. And they both were now well stricken in years. So Zacharias and his wife were not only old, they were stricken in years. They were feeble. He probably walked around with a cane. And Elizabeth, when she would go out to hang out clothes or get something from the garden, probably had to totter around and maybe get hold of the fence or the door in order to get back in the house. So they were feeble. And we read in verse 8, And it came to pass that while he, meaning Zacharias, executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of the incense. 
And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So Zacharias' service in the temple was to offer up incense. He would go and take some of the incense, put it on the coals and the altar of incense, and the smoke would rise up, and it would have a sweet savor, and the smoke would come out of the temple and ascend up into heaven. And when the people on the outside in the courtyard, those observing Jews who were surrounding the temple, some of them may have been there to make offerings, and the smoke would come up, and as soon as they would see the smoke, they would uh, stop what they were doing and begin praying, because the smoke was symbolic of the prayers ascending up to God. And the whole multitude would pray as long as the smoke was coming up out of the temple. And likewise, Zacharias, he would also pray when the smoke began to rise up from the altar. And we know in subsequent verses that Zacharias at this particular time was praying for a son because they didn't have any children. They were both old. They were both feeble. And he wanted a son to possibly carry on the lineage or the hope of the Messiah because that was the prayer of every mother, of every father in Israel, to somehow be in the lineage to produce the Messiah. And so Zacharias was praying for a son, even though he and his wife were both old. In verse 15, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him, meaning the Messiah, in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, what was this angel, what was Gabriel telling Zacharias? He was telling that he was not only going to have a son, but this son would grow up. He would go out in the spirit and power of Elijah. He would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and he would make ready a people for the Lord or the Messiah. So what Zacharias was told is that his son was going to be Elijah or like Elijah, and he would be a forerunner of the Messiah. You know, this was prophesied in the Old Testament. We read in Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. You know, Elijah was caught up in a fiery chariot. So here Malachi was told that Elijah would come back, and that he would appear to Israel, he would be in Israel, 
before the great and dreadful day of the Lord come. That is the great tribulation, the time of Jacob's troubles, the return of the Messiah to take the government of the world upon its own shoulders that Elijah would come back first. So what Zacharias is told here is that he's going to have a son and this son is going to fulfill that prophecy. We continue on. In verse 18, And Zechariah said unto the angel, Wherefore shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. So here Zechariah had been praying for a son, and when Gabriel told him, says, All right, we're going to answer your prayers. God will answer your prayers. You'll have a son. And like so many of us, even when he was told of God that God would answer his prayers, he began to doubt because he's an old man, he's stricken in years, he is feeble, and now then he is going to go home after his course in the temple is through and he's going to have a son. So we can understand his almost unbelief. Now, the course of Abiah as we read from ancient records, and by the way, we are referring to many of the sources that concern the priesthood, the Greek Septuagint, the Companion Bible, the Greek-English Lexicon, Light from the Ancient East, the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, and many others. So as we have brought out, the priesthood served in the temple each course one week twice a year. Now the course of Abiah from these ancient records, it indicates that they had two times their weeks occurred on December the 12th. That is, it started and it lasted until December the 18th. That was the first course. The second course began on June the 13th and ended on June the 19th. According to these records, Zacharias would have been serving in the second course. In other words, his course, when the angel appeared to him, began on June the 13th. That would have been on the first day of the week, on our Sunday. And it would have ended on Friday evening, just before the Sabbath, on June the 19th. So as his course ended on Friday evening, Zacharias received this message from Gabriel. We continue on and read from verse 19. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that thou shalt be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And it came to pass that as soon as the day of his administration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months. 
Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away mine reproach among men. So we read that after the course or the administration of the course of Abiah in 5 B.C. was completed on June the 19th, that would have been a Friday, that after that course was completed, Zacharias departed for his own home. Now, remember that the service of Zacharias in the temple would have ended on Friday evening at around 6 o'clock or sundown. The next day would have been the Sabbath or the 20th. He could not travel on the 20th because it was a Sabbath. No Jew could travel more than a Sabbath day's journey, which we know would have been a little over half a mile. So Zacharias would have had to lay over in Jerusalem the 20th and departed for home on the 21st of June. Now, let us keep in mind that Zacharias was an old man. He was tottering, probably five miles a day for such an old man would have been about all he could take care of. In other words, he'd probably have to walk a mile and then rest. The word indicates that Zacharias and Elizabeth lived in the Judean hills. That would have been anywhere from 8 to 20 miles south of the temple area in those hills. In any event, we are assuming that it would have taken two or three days for this old man to walk from the temple to his home. So he would have arrived at his home on the 23rd or the 24th. So we can conclude that John the Baptist would have been conceived of Zacharias in his wife's womb on June the 23rd or June the 24th. Now then, we continue on and read in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So Luke brings out in these verses that in the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, which have been around December the 23rd or December the 24th, the angel Gabriel appeared to a virgin in the city of Nazareth. And this virgin was a spouse to a man who was also of the house of David. She was of the house of David. Both of them were. Their marriage had probably been arranged for soon after both of them were born. That's the way it was in those days. They were both royalty, therefore it would be natural that both of these would have been espoused or their marriage arranged soon after their birth. So this is why Joseph and Mary were espoused. And of course, she was a virgin, as Isaiah had prophesied, said, Behold, 
a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Mary, a young virgin who lived in Nazareth at the time, was told by the angel Gabriel also that she would conceive and bear a son. Now, it was in the sixth month, or at the beginning of the sixth month, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, which would have been on uh, December 23rd or December the 24th. So we see here, as we get into the story, the biblical account, as supported by ancient records, that the conception of Jesus would have occurred on the evening or the night of December the 23rd or December the 24th, quite possibly December the 24th. So he was not born on Christmas Day. His conception would probably have occurred on December the 24th, the night of December the 24th, according to Jewish time, or on December the 25th, as we might say according to our calendar. So... We see here that we can have reason to associate the birth of Jesus with Christmas. That is his conception, because life, true life, begins at conception and not as birth as some of the pro-choice people here in our day contend. So we can, I believe, in good conscience, observe December the 25th, as the time that this life, the life of the Messiah, began in the womb of the Virgin Mary. This classic presentation by Noah Hutchings, The True Birth Date of Jesus, is available as it was originally published in the Prophetic Observer in December 1995. To get a copy, call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. I want to encourage you to visit our website, Not only will you find timely articles about current events and Bible prophecy, archived programs, and a list of all our upcoming events and conferences, you'll also find our Resource Center with well over 900 books, DVDs, and items to encourage and help you make sense of the world around us. SWRC.com. That's where you'll find the brand new television program, Jewish Roots of Christianity, hosted by teacher Larry Stamm. There you'll find Greg Patton's brand new book, Living in Today's World. Also at SWRC.com, Larry Spargimino's groundbreaking new book, Needless Death, COVID, Corruption, Control. There you'll also find the brand new Christian novel by Jerry Tyson, Alexandra's Account. All of these resources are available at SWRC.com. Additional books and films by Billy Crone. J.R. Church, Tom Horn, Jonathan Kahn, and Michael Hoggard, just to name a few. 
swrc.com. The resources that bring clarity to the chaos are found at swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Lord willing and with your help, 2022 will feature many new resources, the launch of our online streaming service, FaithNet TV, and conferences all over the country. The Central Florida Prophecy Conference, our next in-person conference, will take place Friday and Saturday, January 28th and 29th in Lakeland, Florida. Speakers include Bill Federer, Dr. Larry Spargimino, James Collins, Dr. Kenneth Hill, Greg Patton, Dr. Ken Lindau, and Larry Stam. Registration is now open. Visit swrc.com and click on Events at the top of the homepage. Registration is free but required. The Central Florida Prophecy Conference, January 28th and 29th in Lakeland, Florida. Register today by calling toll-free 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Friends, as we all prepare for Christmas tomorrow, let's take a moment and let's focus on the true meaning of this holy holiday. Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary 
in Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Christmas blessings and a happy first advent to you and your family. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com.